This is the Carolina Tripartisan Podcast, part of the Capital Broadcasting Podcast Network. Now, here is your host for the Carolina Tripartisan Podcast, David Staley. Welcome back to the Rosewood Wealth Management Studio for our pre-Thanksgiving edition of the Carolina Tripartisan Podcast. Thanks for joining. Got a big show today. I've got an interview with my fellow tripartisan, James Henderson, from the NC State wing of the whatever we're calling this like group. So I will be talking to him in a little bit about the impending NC State Carolina contest. Uh, we'll do a quick recap of Mercer, the football game this weekend, and then look ahead to uh, the battle for Atlantis, take a quick peek back at the Elon game basketball. So lots to cover. Let's get right into it. Um, first of all, Mercer, 56-7, to finally a relaxing football game. Uh, I tweeted that I didn't really know what I was supposed to do with not having a, a heart-stopping game to watch on Saturday. Uh, somebody replied back and said, that's because you're playing Mercer, and I was just thinking, man, I didn't even think that Mercer was a, a guaranteed blowout, but turns out it was a huge blowout for the, for the heels. A couple observations on my end. Uh, for one thing, senior day seemed like a lot bigger focus than it normally has been this year. Maybe I just haven't paid as much attention in the past, but I really felt like, you know, Mac Brown made a much bigger deal about it. There was more said, you know, on go heels and just in general on the broadcast, it just seemed like something that was a focus. And I think the players probably really like that. You know, obviously it's huge for the seniors, their last game in Keenan, and they want to go out with a win, which they did. Um, and even, you know, Antonio Williams got the game's first touchdown, so you had a senior there that wound up picking up a rushing touchdown less than a minute and a half into the game. Uh, there was early in the second quarter, Sam Howell is looking, you know, in the red zone, looking in the end zone, and seemed to look off one receiver in favor of Jake Vargas to get a, that senior a touchdown as well. Not that I don't want him to come back next year, but it's a shame that Michael Carter isn't a senior because for a junior, he had a huge day with three touchdowns as well. So it just seemed like senior day was a big thing. Obvious, probably, I know the I know the game was a sellout uh, and and everything, but obviously probably attendance not what they were really looking for, especially at the end as the fog rolled in, the rain rolled in, and the game was not close. I mean, it was not a not a packed house or anywhere near a packed house at the end of the game, but I think that is what it is with the weather being what it was. A uh, little bit about Sam Howell here. So Sam broke some records this this weekend. So if you look back, so in 2016, Mitch, or Mitchell as he likes to be referred to now, Trubisky, set the UNC single season record for touchdowns with 30. Um, last year, Trevor Lawrence set the FBS record for most touchdowns by a true freshman in a season with 30. And Saturday, Sam Howell broke both of those. Um, he is now he now has 32 passing touchdowns on the year, which gives him both of those records. So I can only assume that within the next couple of years, uh, North Carolina will be winning the national championship, and Sam Howell will, I guess, be the top pick in the draft. I mean, if if he's eclipsed Trubisky's record and Trubisky went second, then you have to think Howell's going to go number one. So um, that's just further accolades or proof of what a great season Sam Howell has had so far. Not really a whole lot else, honestly, to say about the Mercer game. There were six touchdowns in the game, and or in the sorry in the first in the first half, um, and at that on the first six drives there were six touchdowns, and so it was at that point where I was kind of like 
okay, well, this thing is in the bag, and that is lucky for me because this brings up my wine and cheese wine of the week. I actually had to go to a Friendsgiving this weekend. I say had to. I enjoyed it, and I was happy to go, and it was actually a great time, and it worked out really well because, you know, I left. It was 42 to nothing when I left the house, and then the game was also on at the Friendsgiving that I attended, so I got to eat some great food, hang out with friends, and watch Carolina finish drubbing Mercer um, in in a different venue than where I started. So the wine is that I... Didn't get to watch the full game on my brand new television that I got this weekend, but it's really it's this is the uh, probably the the most wine and cheesiest wine of the week that I've ever had because it's really it's really not that big a deal. Now, if it had been uh, Carolina Duke basketball and it had been a two point game with forty five seconds left and we were supposed to leave to go to Friendsgiving, then I'd I'd be seriously whining. But as it stands now, uh, this is a true first world problem type of wine. And let's go straight from that, I guess, into uh, my Sports Night Says It Better Than Me clip. You know what today is? It's Monday. What else? Uh, it's November 23rd. What does that mean? Come on. November 23rd. What happened on the state? Boston College upsets Notre Dame. Wrong. Gretzky's 500th goal. Think. Alberto Salazar wins his fourth New York marathon. No. Alberto Salazar wins his third New York marathon. Casey, you're not... Does it have anything to do with Alberto Salazar or the New York marathon? No. Let me take one more stab at it. Go. Alberto Salazar wins his second New York marathon. Casey. Well, what? Come on, what is it? Forget about it. Come on. Forget about it. So that is Dan asking Casey if he knows what day it is, and Casey, in fact, not knowing what day it was. And if if you were listening... The date they mentioned, November 23rd, which was the exact same date as the Carolina Mercer game. And I can essentially what what uh, what Casey didn't know that Dan did know was that it was their five year anniversary of having their first show together. Um, And what I can promise you is that in five years, no one is going to remember that on November 23rd, 2019, Carolina played Mercer. Uh, that's really the link to the clip there. Finally, a dominant performance against an outmatched FCS opponent, and yet somehow, this brings me to third and long go, somehow Carolina was still only two for eight on third down conversions. This was, I really felt like, our chance to have like an eight for 11 type of day. Not that you really want to have 11 third down conversion opportunities against Mercer, but, you know, just stick with me here. We could could have gone eight for 11 and moved up from maybe like 86 in the country to... I don't know, 70th. I didn't do the math to see where we would have landed had had Carolina gone 8 for 11 on Saturday. But instead, 2 for 8, uh, which actually drops them to 92nd in the country, uh, 61 for 163 in third down conversions on the season, 37.4%. That is one, because actually I didn't even, well, yeah, that is one thousandth of a percent ahead of Syracuse. So Syracuse is 37 point like something percent and Carolina's one thousandth ahead all right now seems like so that's it for Mercer now seems like a good time to move over to our interview with James Henderson my Wolfpack tripartisan compatriot James long time no speak how are you good how you doing today I am living the dream Carolina is fresh off of victory over Mercer so I mean you can't say that every day (laughs) and uh, I have been I've been observing the Wolfpack from afar and just thought I would uh, uh, check in with you and 
toss a few questions your way, get your insider opinion on what might be happening in the game this weekend as we got a big rivalry coming up. So my first question for you, and I had to write some of this down because there are a lot of parallels here, but my Mm -hmm. first question is essentially, is NC State having the exact same season that North Carolina had in 2017? Listen to this. So in 2016, UNC had Mitch Trubisky at quarterback, went 8-5. and five. The following season, Carolina tried Chaz Surratt, Brandon Harris, and Nathan Elliott at quarterback. None of them were great. The team was decimated by injuries, and they finished 3-9. and nine. Last year, State went 9-4, and four, lost Ryan Finley. Now this year, you've tried Matthew McKay, Bailey Hockman, Devin Leary at quarterback. None of them have been great. The team's decimated with injuries. And if Carolina wins on Saturday, you wind up finishing four and eight. Is it the exact same season, but just two years later with a different jersey? It sounds very similar, doesn't it? It yeah. does. Um, I mean, and I think that that kind of sums up where where NC State's at this year. I mean, I do think um, I do think the injuries have played a, a really big role. I don't know to what degree they played it played with North Carolina um, that year. I imagine a lot. Um, but I just know, for instance, with State right now at cornerback, they're down to their seventh, sixth, and seventh corners. And I mean, I've, you know, I mean, rarely have you seen a team get that low at that position. And and obviously now with the way teams throw the football, kind of need those guys. Um, so I know that's been an issue for State, and and they are trying to settle settle in at quarterback. Um, I don't know if if. The, to me, for State, I don't think it's necessarily a quarterback issue with this team. I think it's a it's a depth and experience standpoint. And and that's what the injuries have led to. For instance, they played Clemson uh, two weeks ago and started nine freshmen in that game against Clemson. And that's just not a, you know, that's not a recipe for success. And, I mean, they've continued to do that. And that's where they're at from the injuries. So I don't know. If Carolina had got that low in terms of freshmen, but that that is where State's at, and yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens in this game because if, if State's unable to win it, they will be they will, they will finish four and eight and and one and seven in the in the conference, which is relatively close to what North Carolina did in in 2017. I think it gives you an idea of just how easy it can be to fall off, right? It's how I mean, quick things change in football. That to me, that right. is amazing. What either not having a great quarterback or just like any number of things can change from one season to the next and completely change the trajectory. I mean, you look at Carolina in 2015 and you're like, man, this team is going places. They've just won the Coastal. They've got a chance to really take off. And two years later, they're three and nine. And three years later, they're firing their head coach. I mean, it's insane how quick things can turn. Let me let me give you a let me give you a non NC State North Carolina example. Um, look at Syracuse right now with Dino Babers. Uh, you know, obviously Dino Babers uh, his first two years at Syracuse they went four and eight, and then last year he pops off a ten and three season, and a lot of people are thinking he's about to get a head coaching job somewhere else. He's a hot name, yada yada yada. They're back to four and seven, one and six this year, and and I don't necessarily think that means he's a bad coach, but the, the the change is they lost Eric Dungey at quarterback. They go with Tommy DeVito. He's different, doesn't really fit their scheme the same way Dungey did, and, and they're struggling. And I think well, you probably you hit the nail on the head. I mean, I think it all goes back to that quarterback position 
which for me makes it really – and I kind of want to get your – I know you're you're asking me questions, but I, I kind of want to get your opinion on the Carolina situation because Sam Howe is having what might be the best freshman season statistically in ACC history at quarterback. Um, and they could not make – they may not make a bowl. If they, you know, obviously if they lose the NC State, they wouldn't. And so I'm kind of wondering, like, what does that say? What, is, what do you think that means relative to North Carolina right now? Is that just a product of the close games, or do you think there's just some other stuff there that Matt Brown has to continue to work on with the roster? I think part of it is just a product of the close games and the fact that, I mean, if you had someone besides Sam Howell at quarterback, I mean, if you're not to pick on Nathan Elliott. If you're still looking at Nathan Elliott as the quarterback right. this year, Carolina's two and ten, right? So, like he's given, he's helped Carolina take a step, and I think there's a lot of youth on this team right now. And Carolina has injuries, even maybe not to the exact same degree as State does at the corner and safety position, but the secondary has not been is is not who we thought would be the starters at the beginning of the season that's not who the starters are now and so I mean I think that's been another piece of it because the offense has been there's been some issues with the offense there's red zone conversion issues I've got an entire segment on this show that where I talk about uh, it's called third and long go but I talk about the uh, third down conversion percentage and um, Carolina is not in the top half of the country in that right now so I mean there are some issues um but I think ultimately, and and some of it is, you know, Sam Howell has had a great season. He has made some freshman mistakes, not as many as you know, not as many as you would expect out of a freshman. Probably, I mean, you don't have tons of times where you're like, well, that's a rookie error. Um, but he has still had some, and so I think uh, with another year and and some of the youth that Carolina has maturing next season, I think there will be. Uh, I I hope there will be another pretty big step forward next year as well. So yeah, I agree. I mean, I think I think Carolina has solved the, the quarterback question, which is which is the big one all these teams have, and I think right. that's the problem NC State's at right now is they're still trying to get it. I think I think they do feel comfortable that that Devin Leary has started to show strides. I mean, I think to me, I, I feel like looking at these two teams, the 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 um, I'm not a word it, but the um, the best move Mac Brown made was. He just named Sam Howe the starter. Right. And he said, he's our guy. You know, Cade Fortin was fine last year. He showed that promise. But we're going with Sam. Fortin chooses to leave. But you get you get Howe those reps in fall camp towards the end of fall camp after you made that decision. He started from day one. So, you know, those early season games, he gets to go through those and really build up his confidence and just play through some of those mistakes because – I'm sure you know he's he's clearly a better quarterback right now than he was against South Carolina or Miami, regardless of the outcome of those games. Um, and, and so, State though they're now with Devin Leary, their redshirt freshman, but he didn't have the the ability to go through those games. You know, his first start was that week um, in week six, I think it was, and then he's got Clemson. You know, and so like now he's kind of started to hit that stride of where you're seeing he's really now settling in he's cutting out mistakes he's making more and more positive plays and I think if you're NC State and you look back on it you probably wish you would have done that with him you know earlier in the year so here's my question for you then is does Devin Leary come out and have a great game on Saturday and help State get a victory and turn the corner and things are more positive next year or 
do is is this weekend not pleasant for Wolfpack fans and next season is a huge disappointment and suddenly Chuck Amato is back on the sidelines in 2021 or somewhere in between <laughs> so you're you're so you rephrase it for me well so either either state is going to take a huge step forward or next year Carolina is going to go or state's going to go way downhill and fire fire the head coach and then you have to follow Carolina's trajectory right and pick an old head coach and bring him back so you'd bring back Chuck Amato or is it going to be somewhere in between where maybe maybe state loses but somehow next season still winds up being pretty good um what what's the future look like for NC State is really the rephrase right well uh, you know honestly to me it remind this and what i've been telling you know people on on our on our my website is is this is similar to 2016 for NC State in my opinion uh, and you know if you remember back in 2016 state went to north carolina that final game they were 5 and 6 um they I think they were a ten point underdog. North Carolina, I think I was the bitch, bitch, bitches last year, right? Twenty sixteen, right? And um, stayed with a ten point underdog. A lot of people thought if Dave Dorn loses that game, he may get fired. And um, they go to Carolina and win. They go on to win their bowl game, so they finish the year seven and six. And but if, but for them, if that team was really young, and in terms of guys going forward the next two years, who are going to play prominent roles. And it springboarded them into, you know, back-to-back nine-win seasons. And I feel that's kind of the blessing in disguise for NC State right now is that these injuries have allowed them to play so many of these younger guys early. But not even just that. I mean, the majority of the players who were injured this year, they're all coming back. I mean, you know, it's not really like, um, you know, I think it was, was it Patrick Renee from North Carolina who was injured, and I think he was a senior, right? So I'm not sure if, if, he, could, if he could return. But but I know the majority of these guys at state loss for the season that they were they're they're coming back. So you're not even really just adding in a, a recruiting class, you're adding back previous starters. And so I think that gives them a lot of upside going into twenty 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 where they view it like, Okay, well now you know, you know, we're we're bringing back a bunch of players who should help us contribute and take another step and and get back on an, on the level they expected to be on. But to me, I mean, you're right, man. I think it comes down to that quarterback position. If if Leary can go out against North Carolina and have a really good game, similar to what he did against Georgia Tech, I mean, I thought he played well in that game. If he can back that up with another really strong performance and maybe lead him to a win, I think it gives State a lot of optimism going into the offseason. Well, I wish him the worst of luck on Saturday, my friend. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right. I thank you for coming on with me. And, uh, Anybody wants to listen to James? He's got. When does your When does your podcast generally drop each week on for the tripartisan? Yeah, I normally try and get it up um, Tuesday nights or Wednesday mornings. Um, I think we're all probably pretty similar there. Um, just try and get it up as soon as I can. But yeah, I'm gonna try and have it up that time this week. But we do, you know, obviously a lot of uh, a lot of uh, NC State stuff, football, basketball. It kind of feels like we. I've changed positions with you guys the last couple of years. It felt like whenever we would get together. I'd be the one wanting to talk football, right? <laughs> and, and, and now, and now it's like, can we go ahead and start talking Kevin Keats? I mean, that's kind of where I've got to. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, my stuff will drop uh, normally Tuesdays and Wednesdays. All right, and if people want to hear my beautiful voice on your show, it sounds like we're going to get something coordinated for me to be on this week as well. So, looking forward to that. And thanks again for coming on. Thanks, Dave.
appreciate him coming on to the show. And like I said on there, it looks like I'm going to be on with him as well this week. So if you want to hear what I have to say about the Tar Heels, you can head over and download his podcast this week as well. So coming up next, we will discuss a little bit of basketball. All right, it's basketball time. We've we've dealt with football. Let's move to the round ball portion of the show. Honestly, I don't have a lot to say about the Elon game. First of all, it was a week ago, uh, so it is kind of far back in the past. Uh, also, just not that memorable of a game. Uh, the Phoenix had a one-point lead headed into the half. Carolina then, for the most part, put them away in the second half. Double figures from Baycott and Brooks, which is nice to see. Two big men in double figures. I mean, I'm sure that's happened recently at some point in the last two seasons, but it feels like it's been a long time since a, you know, Kennedy Meeks, Isaiah Hicks type of big man performance. So it's hopefully, hopefully that's a sign of things to come this season. Um, to me, probably one of the most, not interesting, but just odd facts to come out of the game so far this season. Carolina has scored 76, 78, 77, and 75 points. So only a, what is that, a three-point span between 75 and 78 in four games and given up 65, 62, 61, and 61. So a four-point span of 61 to 65 from the opponents. Are we slowly morphing into Virginia? I'm not sure if I am on board with that. So um, offense has been a little harder to come by this year, I think, Hopefully things will will improve on that front as the season progresses and the guys get more used to playing with each, with each other. It seems like there is, and it's been said a lot in post-game interviews and, and everything, but there's a lot of standing around waiting on Cole Anthony to do something. And Cole seems, I don't want to say content, but he seems okay kind of dribbling out the shot clock some before moving into any sort of offensive set or even like everybody else getting out of the way and Cole just driving to the basket and scoring. It's just a a drastically different offense than what we have been used to seeing under Roy Williams so far because there haven't been a ton of fast breaks and then even when there's not a fast break, the offense just doesn't get started early in the shot clock. And I'd I feel like that is something that maybe Carolina doesn't get much better at shooting. Maybe Carolina doesn't change much else about their offense, but I do feel like they are going to be trying to get more possessions in a game as the season progresses than they have gotten so far in these first four games. Looking ahead, we got the battle for Atlantis coming up. Uh, Starts on Wednesday. Carolina opens up with Alabama at 2.30. Luckily, Tua is injured, so... Uh, just kidding. Oh, the, we're talk, we're talking basketball now, so um, we'll see. That'll be an interesting game, and then it'll either be Michigan or Ohio State on Thursday, and that fact leads me into Dear Ramses, which is, as you know, the segment of the show where I take a question from a reader and give some Dear Abby-like advice. And actually, I love the end of the email that I got. You can you can email in your questions to unctripartisan at gmail.com. But I love the end to this email because it gave a true Dear Abby type uh, close, which we'll get to in just a second. So here's the email that I got. It says, uh, Dear Ramses, my extended family is trying to plan our Thanksgiving day. We generally do a huge meal mid-afternoon 
but have occasionally done larger suppers. Given that Carolina could play at 1.30 with a win or 6.30 with a loss, what should we do this year to avoid missing any basketball? Hungry in Hendersonville, Jimmy. That is like, that is peak uh, Dear Abby right there. You know, because people that wrote into that were always signing their emails with things like Lonely in Linville or Sleepless in Seattle. So I love the Hungry in Hendersonville. Great work, Jimmy. Okay, I guess I have a couple of questions here. One, huge meal mid-afternoon. I'm not really, regardless of when basketball is played, I'm not really on board with that because I like to have the... I'm starved by noon on a on a regular day. And on Thanksgiving, I generally try to eat a really light breakfast if I eat breakfast at all. So I can't imagine not eating until, I mean, when, I, when you say mid-afternoon, I'm thinking, you know, between two and three o'clock. I just, I can't get on board with that. So I would have to encourage you to either do lunch or supper. Now, I understand your problem with that is Carolina could play at 1.30 or 6.30. I feel like if you start by noon, you can be done by 1.30, so that, which is the earliest time Carolina can play. So I feel like you've got to go with noon. I know you asked me mid-afternoon or supper. I am giving you a third option, and that is really your best option here. You're going to want to go with me. Trust me on that one. So that'll be the battle for Atlantis. Carolina, I guess, it'll be interesting to see what happens there because Carolina could, I don't want to say easily lose to Alabama. Carolina could lose to Alabama. Let's hope that they win that one. But then you've got just a large group of teams that, I mean, the other side of the bracket that, you know, not the Alabama, Michigan, Ohio, Iowa State side has Gonzaga, Southern Miss, Seton Hall, and Oregon. And, you know, Southern Miss is is your probably Alabama equivalent there. But Seton Hall, people are talking about them going to the Final Four. I will believe that when I see it. Um, but apparently they are not the Seton Hall that you're thinking about from 10 years ago. So it's a very real possibility that Carolina could go 1-2 and two in the battle for Atlantis despite playing well. I mean, it's a possibility they could go 0-3. But I'd like to think they're going to win at least one. But I think to go into this tournament thinking Carolina is going to be come out of it 3-0 and is probably an unrealistic expectation at this point in the year. I personally would like to see, uh, however it happens, whether it's win a game, lose a game, and wind up facing playing in like a consolation game, or whether it's win a game, win a game, and play in the championship. I'd rather Carolina wind up playing Oregon or Seton Hall rather than Gonzaga, just for the simple fact that you're playing Gonzaga again two weeks from now or however long on the way to Vegas. So we'll see how that tournament turns out, and we will talk about it more on the next edition of the show. And I guess that's really all we have to cover today. So I thank you for joining me, and I hope you have a great Thanksgiving, and I hope that while you're eating that turkey, you remember that it's always a great day to be a Tar Heel. You've been listening to the Carolina Tripartisan Podcast with host David Staley. Don't forget, there are many ways you can listen to this podcast, including streaming at WRALsportsfan.com, the WRAL Sportsfan app, and you can also subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Pocket Casts, and TuneIn. Thanks again for listening to the Carolina Tripartisan Podcast.